and welcome back to What Time Is It, the Showtime podcast. My name is Felipe. And my name is Divya, and we're your hosts for this series. We're part of Showtime, a committee under Campus Events and Entertainment at the University of Texas at Austin. We host events for the UT community for free. To learn more about Showtime, make sure to follow us on Instagram at UT Showtime and listen to our first podcast episode. This episode, we wanted to talk all about the Oscars. We already talked about which movies were nominated and who we were rooting for, but now that it's passed and the winners are announced, we wanted to hear from each other what we thought about the results. Here with us, we have recurring guests Xavier and Frida, our next publicity officer of Showtime. Would you all like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Frida. I am a first year RTF major and I'm the future publicity officer for Showtime. Hello, my name is Xavier. Uh, I've been here, I think this is my third time on the podcast, and I'm about to graduate from UT. Okay, so uh, can I get from each of you a general consensus on the ceremony? What like made you happy? What disappointed you? Did the movies you were rooting for win? And personally, it was it was almost boring because like everything was just going as expected i feel like and i just kind of saw everything coming right up until the very end like the last what like three category or two categories i guess both actress and actor were unexpected for me and that was just kind of it was unfortunate i feel like every few years there's like a huge mishap like the another one I'm thinking of right now is like the La La Land Moonlight mix-up. That one was pretty bad too, um, and they they ended it pretty abruptly, cause I guess I mean what I heard was that the producers were kind of expecting Chadwick Boseman to win Best Actor, and that's why they saved that for last. And then they weren't, they didn't know it wasn't gonna go to him. So I think a lot of people were surprised that night. Yeah, for me. I... <sighs> I normally watch the Oscars every single year because, you know, I'm a snob and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, this is the first time I, I I find out who wins the day after. So all I know is that the ceremony wasn't at the Adobe uh, Theater uh, in L.A. It was somewhere else and it's very small. Uh, as for the winners, you know, it, 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 like, I'm okay with it. You know, I mostly concentrate on who gets nominated. Uh, I don't really care about who are the winners. I, I predicted uh, most of the times close to, like, who will win the best picture. I, and uh, I don't know if you guys do this. Like, do you predict who, who wins before uh, the Oscars? I talked about this in a previous episode where I'm like, the Academy doesn't represent the general public. So their opinion, like, it kind of doesn't matter to me, but then I still watch it. So maybe it does. I don't actually know. But like, I, I just like seeing who was nominated and then like winning. Uh, I, I still look at it, but I feel like I'm more excited to see who was nominated in a lot of ways than seeing. Like every year, I usually predict who would uh, win. Like one year, I got 18 out of the 24 categories correct. So I'm like, yeah. Coincidentally, that was the year when uh, when La La Land won, won, quote unquote, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, it was a happy moment for me, but also a sad moment because I predicted 
it, it, it could have won, but I was also happy that it didn't win. So it's like one of those things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mostly concentrate on, on who gets nominated and stuff like that because, you know, it's just more on the... I'm more to honoring who has accomplished something rather than like, ah, oh, let's just, you know, have pat ourselves on the back and it's just like... I'm not going to say, <laughs> like, we're just upping ourselves more if we just say, hey, look at this movie that we all know, but really not a lot of people know. Yeah, I think out of the winners, I I feel like with every Oscars, there's always like a group of like four or five movies that are in like nearly every single category. So... And then they usually get like, you know, one or two or three. And so whenever one of those wins, like it doesn't even matter what category it is. I'm kind of like, yeah, cool. Um, not really surprised. But uh, I think besides the one you guys already mentioned, I was kind of surprised that Promising Young Woman won original screenplay. I mean, y'all know I like that movie. I've mentioned it like three or four times in the podcast that I like the movie, but um you know, I think you can like something and not expect it to win, and I kind of didn't think it was going to win. And yeah, I guess, you know, I'm glad it won. I, I don't have any like hard feelings towards it. I'm pretty neutral, but I was kind of surprised. I think I thought it was going to go to Minari. For me, I'll, yeah. I'll preface this whole episode with saying that I'm way too invested in the Oscars and in like film award season in general. And... So I like I follow the predictions of people in the industry for like months before the ceremony even like begins and then I watch every single movie I actually this year with the first year that I was able to watch every single one of the nominees I've tried for the past 3 years first year I missed one because it wasn't available anywhere and the second year I had like a midterm week that was hell and then I probably like missed 10 or something so this year was the first year that I officially watched every single one of the nominees. I finished like Crip Camp, which was the last documentary that I needed to watch. And like five minutes before the ceremony started. But yeah, it, 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 I have a lot of fun like taking those boxes and seeing what gets nominated and thinking it's not like about deciding what are my favorite movies. It's about deciding what the Academy members will predict and like, right. what are they going to get? So for example, I'm thinking of the editing category, best editing. I love editing. I edit videos a lot. So like, this is always an exciting category for me to watch. And this year it went to Sound of Metal, which I love the movie, but I don't think it's the best editing out of the category. But I thought it was going to win. So I predicted it, even though I like, I probably like The Father and The Trial of Chicago 7's editing better than I like Sound of Metal's. So it's like, it's my third out of the five, but I still predicted it and I got it right because I got 19 out of the 23 nominees right this year. Nice. I'm just surprised for the documentary category that my octopus teacher won. And I'm like, this was a, reading the description of this movie is very, it's sort of, it's very weird. I and I hope I'm not the only one thinking this. It's just, it's just a weird 
type of documentary, even though it's like heartwarming, but you get the feeling that this man really, really likes his octopus. And I thought the, uh, oh, I forgot which one, either collective or time. It was, uh, about the, um, uh, like something in, uh, that was foreign and, uh, it was about like something, investigative journalism type oh, yeah, of yeah, collective, collective. Yeah, the collective. I would have thought that that would be the one to, you know, be the front runner, rather than just this guy who really likes this octopus and probably wants to marry it. And I'm like, wow, that's the surprising one out out of everything so far. Like everything is predictable at least and understandable, but this one was out of left field. We didn't see this, to me at least. I mean. Okay, I was gonna say earlier, like, I do the same, basic, when I say I predict things, that just means that I do a bunch of research and cross-compare sources and see how many people think a particular movie is gonna win. So I saw a few people that predicted that documentary, My Octopus Teacher. So that's the one that I actually predicted, and I watched it, and, like, yeah, there are a lot of definitely a lot of people who just thought that was weird and that the relationship was weird and probably (laughs) crossing some boundaries but honestly I have to say like as an animal lover I wish there were a, a even I wish there were a better word than animal lover because it's like even more than that I don't know I just think like I don't know I was just watching it and I was like if we can be this way with our pets, like our cats and our dogs, what's wrong with an octopus, you know? And I know he said, some. I think at one point he said he literally fell in love with the octopus. Okay, that was like, I don't know. But I think a lot of people, like, missed the point of the documentary, which was not just about an octopus. It was more about, like, I think it was just about how like, what we're missing out on as humans and, like, needing to kind of connect with nature again because nature has a lot to teach us. And we should be paying more attention to, like, the animals and ecosystems and trying to learn from them and, like, being patient and seeing, like, just what knowledge they have to offer. Um, There was also, like, an environmentalist kind of aspect of it and I know I think at the end it said that um what was his name Craig I think he started like some foundation like diving for like the preservation of marine life or something so I don't know yes it was about a guy and an octopus but it was about a lot more than that and I think people got distracted (laughs) with that relationship and kind of didn't pay as much attention pay as much attention yeah, exactly. I think I th- think Frida, you could have said it better. Uh, I watched that movie without like knowing anything about it, and I just like no, no pun intended, but dive into this, like, and I. It's fascinating. It's like it's beautiful. You just don't think about the entire world that's living under the sea, and like so many moving parts. And it's just, like, breathtaking. The visuals are incredible. And, like, if you just forget about the fact that this guy is kind of weird, it's, like, 
it's so beautiful and like you're kind of in love with the octopus not in the same way he is but like it's it's kind of heartwarming he like holds his hand and it's like oh my god that's so cute i was also right. attached to the octopus by the end of it and right. also yeah the first thing i noticed about that documentary was the cinematography like mm-hmm. at the very beginning like it was beautiful yeah well i mean yeah it's, yeah it just comparatively i mean outside of a competition based thing which the oscars is basically is um I love the movie on its own and how it told a narrative in a way, but also giving a perspective that we are all one. We are not just living in two different worlds. We are all in one single uh, element where we can all be together in a sense. Uh, But in a competition-based perspective, perspective competing with other movies i i thought differently on how they would choose the category mostly the oscars likes uh investigative journalism movies that's why i assumed that but yeah um also just i do also agree nature documentaries or at least a nature-esque uh related uh documentary was great i mean everyone remembers the last movie uh what was it, about rock climbing uh, solo and uh, that was great I mean watch that on IMAX on a big screen you'll see the cinematography in that movie as well just by like looking at rocks all day like how do you make looking at rocks all day very interesting so yeah those are those are good yeah and just like one final remark about the documentary category so like I think collective was a good documentary I, just, I don't know if anyone here has watched it. It's on Hulu. I, I definitely recommend the watch. It's a fascinating story. They like, they go in to investigate why this the, this fire happened. I don't remember the country where it takes place. Somewhere in Europe, and like people start dying like with not that severe burns in the hospitals, and then they figure out this fraud conspiracy, and then they just start figuring out like who's involved in this, and there's government involvement, and at some time you're following the journalists. And also a victim of the burns who survived. And also the new health minister who allowed the documentary crew to, to like follow him as he starts to settle in. Because they figure out that the previous health minister, like, he, he kind of knew about this. So... Not to spoil the movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was a spoiler after telling you what happened. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's like a basic premise. Okay, that's like the first yeah. 30 minutes of the movie. But I think the movie just loses itself in those three stories. I would watch a two-hour documentary about each of them. I just think when you cut, you don't get enough time to get involved in those stories. And it, the cuts are kind of like meaningless and not very connected. So, yeah, I'll, I like the movie. I just didn't think it was... I'm just surprised that something got into the nomination that was not more of like a quote-unquote like typical hard-hitting investigative journalism kind of piece because those are the ones that as we all know even as viewers you know I feel like it's more easy to impact you because you're watching like other humans um but I think I was just really happy that like something of the nature of like animals and things like that got into them into the nomination so when it won I was really surprised but also kind of like 
I feel like the Oscars is, they still basic, but they're not as basic as they used to be. I feel like they're slightly less predictable than they used to be, potentially. But then again, Felipe got like 19 out of 23. So maybe they're still just as predictable. But yeah, I was happy about it. And I I'm sure like the collective was also really good. Um, and I think a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, a lot of people kind of wanted it to win. But yeah, I kind of like when they go against it, you know? They should have just gone completely left field and made Love and Monsters win too, you know? That would have been great. No, I'm happy Tenet won. I mean, I like Tenet. I started off being like very rough on Tenet. I was like, oh, Chris Vernola wants me to die to watch his Kino art film. And I was like, screw you, Christopher Nolan. But then I watched the movie at home because I would not die for Christopher Nolan. And I don't know, I really liked it. And I, I was really happy that the visual effects got at least some recognition. I just like really didn't want Mulan to win. Um, because I don't know, it was, there was multiple pieces to me not wanting it to win. One, like, I watched it, like the visual effects, it's not like they were bad, like they were good, but I just, I feel like when I was watching it, there was like no point when I was watching it where I was thinking about how amazing the visual effects are. And I feel like you need to be at that like level to really get into this category. So I was surprised to see it nominated, but also there were so many political issues going on with Mulan, like filming where there's like a literal genocide happening. And I'm like, so the Academy was just like, let's not think about that and nominate it for an Oscar. I just felt like, you know, a lack of awareness going on there <laughs> but i don't know i literally like i just wanted love and monsters to win i know it would have wouldn't have made sense but like i just really was like the underdog you know i rooted for the underdog not mulan as the underdog but love and monsters i was like yes i want dylan o'brien to be like holy shit my movie won an oscar because that will never probably never happen again but yeah yeah tenet i feel like I was expecting it and it happened and I was like, cool. Th that was pretty much the entire Oscars until like, <laughs> until the last two categories. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it, it had like a bit of excitement for me because until documentary short, I got everything right. So I just kept celebrating like, oh my God, I got this right. And then, oh my God. And then like, at some point I was like, I should bet money on this. I'm so good. I'm doing so well. And then documentary short happened and it went down here from there. I had Colette won, which is a beautiful documentary, but I was uh, betting on a love, a love song for Latasha, which is on Netflix. I think like something that not a lot of people talk about is that the Oscars uh, short film categories they're like so easy to watch. Most of them are like, you can view them through YouTube. What it's not, I think two of the winners are Netflix. Yeah, so the animated short category and the live action short category, the winners are Netflix. The A Love Song for Latasha is also on Netflix. Colette is on YouTube. So like, so many of them are so easily accessible and they don't take like any of your time. So I definitely recommend watching. I think the documentary shorts is kind of a letdown because they were so tragic. Like every single one of them was just tragedy after tragedy, especially Hunger Ward. 
Do not watch Hunger Ward. I know I just told you to watch all of the short films. Do not watch Hunger Ward because it's a film Why? About, What's the It's a film about a very important topic, which is like hunger in uh, Yemen because of the war that's going on. But they film like inside a hospital where they're treating kids with malnutrition. And then they film children dying and then their parents after they're dead, which is like, it's so disturbing. And it's so like to a point where it kind of ruins your message. And uh, I just, it, it kept me, it kept me. And I know this is made like made to make you feel angry, but not in the way like, I just never want to, I don't know. It just annoyed me so much as I was watching it. It was like 20 minutes of pure torture. Okay, that sounds like Thanks. that crosses some lines. Like that's, then, okay, then it's like, are they trying to send a message here? Or are they trying to sensationalize everything? Like, are they trying to add some shock factor just for like, I don't know, like some kind of twisted entertainment value? Like, that's like disrespectful. I don't think I'd want somebody f filming me after someone in my family had just died. That doesn't sound... Yeah, I don't know. That's very questionable. Um, I feel like documentaries in other countries kind of like tend to cross lines, you know? I I mean, I don't want to say it's, it's only documentaries in other countries, but I feel like I notice it more when people go to a country that they don't live in and then they like film a documentary. I feel like they just tend to cross boundaries that they should not be crossing because, I mean, I'm sure they think it's, I mean, they know it's important because they're making a documentary over it, but it might be less personal to them because it's something happening far away. And I don't know, I feel like they sometimes aren't really like in the situation they're kind of like on the side filming it but like i mean more like i feel like they don't feel as embedded in the situation when they have that kind of distance and so sometimes people do kind of go over boundaries and i you know i know there's arguments where like you have to show the truth in documentaries and blah 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 but it's kind of like the point of the documentary is to help the people of whatever issue you're highlighting but you're literally not helping them by filming certain sensitive times and like you could have made the point without it so yeah I, I didn't watch it I heard about it and I looked up the issue because I wanted to know more about like the context of what they were filming about but didn't necessarily want to watch that because yeah I feel like it wasn't really something I wanted to support I guess like the way that they did it so I didn't watch it But in, I mean, I think, except for that, all of the documentary shorts were pretty good. Colette was really sad, but also really good. It's about a Jewish woman going to the concentration camp where her brother died for the first time, and she's like 90. So it's a very sad story, but it's also like touching. It's not that exploitative. They do show her crying, like as she's going through the camp, which is heavy and it is maybe could be seen as a bit exploitative. But not that much as Hunger Ward. But yeah, I wasn't that big of a fan of the short documentaries this year. I thought the short live actions were all like much better. You have Two Distant Strangers, which is on Netflix and was was the one who won. Which is like the story of... It's, it's insane. It's like 
Groundhog Day, but we're racist cops. It's hard to explain. Just just go and watch it. It's it's people say say it's cheesy. People say like the acting is not fantastic, which I agree, but it's just really really good, and it has like a good message behind it. And yeah. it's about twenty five minutes. It's an easy watch. Yeah, I think. I mean, I watched it and I was like. Is this an original concept? The, you know, Groundhog Day type thing? Obviously not. It wasn't the best acting I've seen, but, like, that's not the point. Like, it's trying to... I think it's just trying to kind of make something more understandable for people who don't know what it's like to literally not be able to escape some, like the fear or the almost like the anticipation of something like this happening you know like it's just trying to use something that's maybe more familiar to audiences or to mainstream audiences to kind of express that message I think that's really what it's trying to do. It's been very deep and, you know, kind of, you know, like very deep and and dark at the moment. How about some fun things? Is there any fun fun categories can we talk about? I I can complain about Mank when he's cinematography. (laughs) That was another unexpected one. I was like, wait. What I think I like yelled at the TV or something. I don't remember, but <laughs> did it that was... when? Um, yeah. Hold on. Who act? Who were the people uh, in this category? Nomadland. That, 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 yeah. that it. I thought Nomadland was gonna listen. I'll be honest oh, yeah. with you. I didn't even watch. I didn't even try to watch Mank. It's not on my list. Like I just <laughs> kind of looked at reviews and I was like, do I? Do I? Why would I? Wa-? It's about Orson Welles, right? Uh, it's about the writer who made, uh, once, uh, Rotten Tomatoes' highest point, now replaced by, uh, Paddington 2, uh, uh, Citizen Kane, uh, it's about the co-writer, or at least the actual writer of Citizen Kane, uh, Mank something, or something. Herman Mankiewicz. Thank you. And. Yeah, I just was and, like, I don't know. I didn't. I felt like it would be a waste of time to watch. <laughs> I kind of felt the same way. Like I watched a little bit, and I think it just wasn't my style. Like I've never really liked movies that were like that, and so I watched a little bit and was like, "This has never been my style. Why watch the rest?" And so I can't say anything bad about it or good about it because I technically didn't finish it. But I honestly was also surprised that it won, but. I'll stay out of this part of the combo since I didn't finish it. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, but it's not the most interesting David Finch movie. This is a guy that we uh, we know as the person who did The Social Network, the person who did Gone Girl, Fight Club. And like, this is more, this is a different story. And this was a story that was written by actually his dad, uh, Finch Sr., I guess. He passed away uh, whenever he was writing the script, and, well, he wanted to do the movie uh, because it was a movie that he's been wanting to do for a long, long time. It's not that interesting, if you think about it, because 
what drives a movie is the character and the character is mank which he's he, he is a larger than life character but he doesn't really like uh stoke the fire of the engine to get the train running you know uh other than that the cinematography it's sort of impressive in a way um it, it does give the style yeah it's a style of like how it would have been in the night i don't know 1930s and it sort of is mimicking how uh his citizen kane shot the his movie god i'm forgetting names but yeah it it, it was okay uh it's not noteworthy though it's it's a hollywood movie about hollywood for hollywood people so like people who are really in the know they'll be like oh i understand this reference to this common politics uh that was happening in the 1930s hollywood but then your average citizen watching it are just like what the hell is going on i want to know more about citizen kane i don't care about 1930s hollywood politics or like you, I could care about 1930s uh, like politics. I just cared about a goddamn octopus, but you know you can make it interesting a little bit more. You know, it's just like it is. It's uh, I don't know. I was like I was wanting. I wanted to like Mink. I cared about the octopus more, to be honest. Like I was like, look at that octopus, love it. And then I saw Mink, and I was like, nah, not for me. I mean, yeah, I agree. I was surprised it got nominated so many times. Yeah, like I'm literally, I was surprised, but then I was like, you know what, Divya, you didn't watch the whole thing. Maybe something crazy happened and like, it was amazing, who knows? I think it deserved production design. I was okay with it, but then cinematography, when you have Nomadland in the category, Nomadland, Th that movie is like insane, but. Regardless. I still it have not picture. watched Nomadland, and I'm really mad about that. I like. It's on Hulu. I know, I know. I had a crazy week. I was planning to watch it this week, and then just you know, finals existed. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. About it. I don't know what happened to my words. Um, Chloe Zhao seems like really cool. Um, I don't know much about her. I guess this is her like directorial debut like hollywood oscar debut i don't know like i've never heard of her before this so but she already seems like really amazing and talented and obviously francis mcnorman is amazing so i'm looking forward to that yeah so this is her third movie but it's like the first that gets like a big release and with like mm -hmm. huge stars and things like that and oscars and everything and she won for director yeah yeah, and here's the thing. They should have saved Best Picture for last, like they always do, because that would have been actually a big moment because she's the first woman of color to win a directing, to actually Best Picture and directing, right? I think. I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not second sure. Second woman about... ever to win Best Director. Yeah, second woman, yeah. but first woman of color. Yes. Right. She made history several times that night, I'm pretty sure. So mm -hmm. she she was the first I think she was the first woman like to be nominated four times 
in like any category. She might even she might even be the first person to be nominated four times because she she was the producer, the director, the she wrote the script, and then she also edited Nomad Land like all by herself. Yeah, when I, mean, I saw uh, that oh, she yeah, edited, I was like, oh my gosh, she's insane. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> They, like, robbed her of that moment by not putting that last. That was so frustrating. They shoved it in the middle of the ceremony. Like, no one cared. This was, the like, the big moment, you know? And they just... They ruined ruined her big moment. They ruined what should have been Chadwick's moment. But they also ruined the fact that, like, Anthony Hopkins was, like... It was an amazing performance. Like, he deserved recognition for that. But everyone was so preoccupied with the fact that he went over Chadwick. I feel like that just kind of, like, also robbed him of that recognition mm-hmm. in a way. I feel like if they didn't put it last, it would have been kind of okay. Yeah, blame the schedule rather than the, you know, like, who won. Just blame the schedule of, like, how they did the whole thing. And also, Anthony Hopkins, to give him credit, he, he did honor uh, Chadwick Boseman. I, I th- it, he did uh, honor him, in a way, right? And, and it's not his fault. I mean, he literally did nothing. He just acted in this movie, and the Academy decided to like award him. You know, It's not his fault. It's just that and the whole thing was so weird. I guess now we can talk a little bit more about like the ceremony as a whole. Because they tried oh, yeah. something different. Yes. Steven Soderbergh directed the ceremony, which I think started war- started out working really well. I love that intro scene with Regina King just walking and she looks incredible. And then she grabs the Oscar and goes to the stage and as like the presenter's name show up. I think that was a, a really cool intro. And then it get, got me excited. And I also think like a, the cinematography, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but like when people were accepting their speeches, their camera was kind of sideways, and then you could see like the TV behind them showing some like visuals, and then you could see yeah. the Oscar. And the I just thought that was like well thought out. But I don't know. You Wait, cut the musical the performances. Ceremony? What? Sorry. Who directed the ceremony? Uh, Steven Soderbergh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because it's very stylistic, and that's what I. That's what we kind of want. Rather than like a person who is worth a million dollars go on stage, say some words, and go off stage. We want to look interesting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like particularly enthusiastic about some of the changes. I miss the songs. I miss like the the presentation of the songs, and like I don't know. I don't know what that middle part where they just went and interviewed people, and then Glenn Close dance to the butt was but i think she like saved that moment <laughs> kind of <laughs> she's like yeah you know what because before that it was kind of awkward and i don't know if it was worth having that moment but yeah i like the idea of having a stylistic oscar and i think that's a step in the right direction you don't want to like keep in that same direction because people stop caring you know unless you're like me or you're part of Showtime and you care a lot about movies, you don't care about the Oscars anymore. You're like, I've heard of people who didn't even know that it was happening. So, yeah, they, they need to step up their game. And I definitely like the, the direction they're taking. I just think that needs a little bit of work. And of course, 
COVID did uh, kind of mess up things. But yeah, I guess we can finally talk about the big <laughs> moment of the night. <laughs> like, because they just switch up the categories to award Chadwick Boseman. And they didn't award Chadwick Boseman. I feel like, okay, I feel like there's two things that I thought about. No, okay, there's like five things. I don't even know how many, but like, first thing was, I was kind of like, I know the producers like thought he was gonna win, so they were like, let's switch it up and have it go out with a bang, but I'm kind of like, you know, even though you're the producers of the Oscars, it's like, you don't know what's gonna happen unless somebody tells you what's gonna happen, you know? And I'm kind of mad that they just like, guessed i mean it was a good guess but i'm still kind of like I, i don't know i'm like they made such a big decision without really considering what if this is not what's gonna happen or maybe they considered it and they were like it'll be fine but it wasn't you know and i'm kind of just like that was just a really bad plan and another thing is like you know if he had won it still would have been really important whether it happened at like the end or like second to last or in the middle like it didn't really matter when it happened if chadwick had one and then also i'm like chloe Zhao, like why like you know i'm like even if she hadn't won like there was two women who were nominated and i think that's Like, I don't know if it's never happened before or it rarely happens, but like two women nominated in the same category for that category, you know, that was already a big thing no matter who won, you know? So I'm kind of like, there were other big things that you already knew would happen or like would have been important whether it happened or not that were more safe to put at the end. And now I'm kind of just like, I feel like, I mean, I don't know how logistically this would work, but like, I kind of just think the producers need to know who's gonna win, like at least a little bit beforehand so they can change plans if needed, because like, this was a whole mess. La La Land thing was a whole mess. And I'm just like, come on guys. I was literally sitting there like, who's about to get fired right now? Cause like, that was, it, it was like, you know, it wasn't like a sad, thing like this one was but you know that's a pretty bad mistake to make something that i saw is like the an executive from abc abc who like i don't know if they own the oscars i don't know if they own the academy or just they just have the rights to 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 stream the ceremony is that they they were talking about they took a calculated risk by changing uh best actor to last and I mean, according to him, it paid off because everyone's talking about it. And of course, we're here talking about it. And he kind of compared to the, the whole La La Land thing, which is like, yes, it happened and it was kind of weird, but it got like a lot of traction and a lot of movement online. And people are really talking about the Oscars a lot. So... I don't know, maybe they're like inside trying. job. That's what you're telling me. These are both these were both on purpose. Well, well, well the thing is like the for the La La Land incident, that was sheer accident where this one was calculated, just like what Philippe said and I don't know. This is the first time I heard of it after a week 
or, or, or so that it, they change the categories to me right now. And, like, that's just... They dug their own grave at that point. Or at least they dug a hole and they hoped to survive. Like, yeah. Did you yeah. did you read that thing? He he wanted to zoom in, but they didn't allow it because they wanted to be an in-person ceremony. They didn't want to, like, be a Zoom. He, he had to, like, go to the UK cinema. And he's, like, a 90-year-old man. And we're still in the pandemic. And, so he, and it was 4 a.m. in the UK. So he didn't want to go. And then they were like, no, we can't do Zoom. And it's not like you're going to win anyway, so we don't have to, like... Oh, and then they play themselves, yeah. I bet when he like filmed that video of himself, he was like, he was like, I bet you wish I was on Zoom now, you know, because like you, he took it into his own hands. I like that. I like that he did that. And again, he honored Chadwick Boseman uh, in that video, and which is like the the main thing, the main crux of the, the of the whole thing, rather than the bad schedule. It's it's uh, gladly supporting uh, uh, gladly an, an actor supporting another actor uh, who deserved more than uh, than he did. So yeah, gladly, I'm glad that he recognized uh, Chad. Okay, guys, that was a really great discussion. So we're going to try and wrap it up with a recommendation from each of you guys. Um, either a movie that you think should have won or should have been nominated or something you recommend that people see. Um, just let us know what your thoughts are. I mean, like we said earlier, the Oscars are subjective. So typically I take the winners with a grain of salt. And, you know, winning an Oscar doesn't necessarily define a movie's worth. Um, so I'll just, I guess I'll recommend a film. And since I haven't seen Nomadland, and since it won, I'm sure that's already, like, good publicity for Nomadland. So I'll say The Father. Um, it was, I think it kind of exceeded my expectations. It surprised me when I watched it. It was honestly, it's not a fun movie to watch. So if you're looking for something fun, not that one. But it's very, um, yeah, I mean, Anthony Hopkins won for a reason. He gives a really, like, real, raw performance. And it just made me feel things, you know? It's kind of terrifying in a way. Like, it wasn't a horror movie, but sometimes I kind of felt like it was. Um, and I think that's what a good movie is supposed to do is just make you you know feel something and really think about whatever it is that the movie is addressing so that's, that's my one. recommendation um well for me like i did this whole twitter thread uh at my on my twitter at that guy xr uh just basically like what could have been nominated in the 2021 oscars i did like for each category, I did like options on what other movies that came out in 2020 that could have been nominated. Uh, I wanted uh, this one movie called Weathering With You to be nominated for uh, not only Best uh, Animated Movie, but also Best Picture, because it's uh, directed by the same director 
who made your name which was uh an an anime film that came out in 2016 and was overshadowed by uh the baby boss or boss baby or whatever and people got mad that uh, that uh, that baby boss got nominated rather than your name so i'm sort of also mad that weathering with you didn't get the recognition it deserved i recommend that movie uh, you can watch it on hbo max right now uh at this moment so yeah that um i'm gonna cheat but that's okay because i'm the one who gave the prompt um, I'm gonna say I've already recommended Promising Young Women in our last Oscars episode, I believe. Um, I'm gonna recommend Soul, but I think everybody kind of already knew that Soul was a good one, so definitely watch Soul if you can. And for the ones that I think maybe not as many people would have watched, I'm gonna recommend The Man Who Sold His Skin, which was uh, one of the international feature film nominations, and also I am going to butcher this. Uh, I'll just say the international feature film from Bosnia um, because I don't even want to disrespect it by trying to say it. But definitely recommend these films. I think international feature films tend to get a little bit overlooked, but I definitely recommend, you know, we saw it last year. Subtitles ain't so bad. They never been bad, but you know, I think last year people were like, wow, subtitles and they suddenly discovered them, but you know, subtitles ain't so bad, so definitely give them a shot. Divya, you literally just stole what I was gonna say. I was gonna recommend The Man Who Sold the Skin. That movie's gorgeous. That movie is so pretty. That That's like the prettiest movie I've ever seen. Like every single shot, there's one shot, I think it was in the, in the clips that they showed in the ceremony. This guy wears a blue silk robe and it just looks so good on camera. It looks so good. It's insane. Watch The Men Who Sold This Skin. It's on Hulu. And uh, Kovaris Aida from Bosnia, which is also a pretty great movie. And yeah, I, I literally have to think about more movies because Divya just stole my, stole my picks. I'm glad. You know what? I give up. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to go over the <laughs> list in my head. I, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on Divya's recommendation of The Men Who Sold This Skin. The movie is really, really good. It was one of the most surprising nominees this year. Also, uh, I I also liked uh, Bosnia School Buddies Aida, but the Men of the Skin just like blew it out of the park. And Wolfwalkers, the animation. Everyone's talking about Soul, yes. but Wolfwalkers deserves some love. Yes, it's it's beautiful yes. in its simplicity, and it's on Apple TV Plus. If you buy an iPhone, you have it for one year free. So just go watch it. Okay, I think that's that's everything. Thank you guys for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. It was really fun. And thank you for listening. Uh, let us know your thoughts and suggestions at our social media at UT Showtime on Instagram. Make sure to check out our other podcast episodes. And if you're interested in joining Showtime, let us know. We still have one week left. Our last showing of the year will be Willy's Wonderland about a man who got a job as a janitor in an abandoned Willy's Wonderland where he ends up having to fight for his life against demonic animatronics. Make sure to sign up for the screening by May 6th on our social media. See you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.